Broadcasting from New York City. It's Matt and Brett Love Comics. Hello. This Bye. is Matt. I'm out. Terrified me. You're out? Terrified me already. I'm what? out. That's that completely relevant you to today's. Are a, you're a sex-crazed, possessed maniac, so I'm leaving. Wait, you just... We've known each other for years, and you just discovered that. Ugh, okay. I'm Brett. Hi. <laughs> uh, Matt and Brett Love Comics is the show where we take comics and talk comics with comics and comic creators and uh, personalities. Comic humans. Comic humans. Yeah. Speaking of comic humans... Uh, you had a big thing blow up on Tumblr this week. Yeah, this is, uh, listeners to the podcast will be interested to know this, because if you listen to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle episode that I did with producer Ben Regeeb a couple episodes back. Which is really fun. Yeah, where we read some of the old Archie comic books, (laughs) and, uh, were confused by them, and slightly delighted. I think in that episode I talked about something called Turtles on Oprah, which at the time I did, uh, I think I said... I had never been able to find it online. Yeah. I'd never been able to find it. Um, I felt like I had the only copy ever on a VHS tape. Yeah. I Sunday night, I was just going through my hard drive, and I found the digitized version of it. And I was like, oh, I'll put this on YouTube. Yep. So I put it on YouTube. Surprisingly easy for 43... I haven't uploaded anything to YouTube in a long time, but 43-minute video, they're fine with. Yeah, yeah, they're okay with it. Like, it used to be 10 minutes, 10 minutes or GTFO. Yeah. So I put it up there. I wrote a Tumblr post... Tagged it with all the right tags and tweeted it out a bunch. Yeah. Uh, and then it immediately picked up traction. Beck Bennett from SNL reblogged it. Did so he really? Yeah, that I missed that. Um, and it went insane. So you've probably already seen it because uh, everyone's written it up, which is hilarious. Yeah, highly recommend checking it out, too. It's Nuts. really funny. It's such a fun time capsule of the early 90s. If you want to see the Ninja Turtles promoting their Pizza Hut album on the Oprah Winfrey show. Yeah, <laughs> because that's what Oprah used to do. Yeah, just she used to inter- interview anthropomorphic ninja animals. Yeah, yeah. What's great, though, is the entire audience is filled with children who only want to talk about the turtles' weapons and them fighting, and the turtles have to keep telling them, we've put down our weapons and we've picked up the instruments. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you can only fight if you're backed into a corner and you have no other recourse. Uh, yeah. There's also a lot of... It's also basically like... It's improvised, because they didn't pre-screen any of these questions, because every single kid asks about, where are your weapons? If you're going to have your weapons today, how are you going to fight somebody? I've watched this so many times, I can quote it from beginning to end. I love it. Where are your weapons? Oh. Is it dark in the sewer where you sleep? What's so special about Splinter? <laughs> I love that question. talking rat. Because the, kid, the turtles then respond, what's so special about your dad? Yeah. That's great. Anyway, um, so yeah, we'll try and put a link to that on our show notes so you can watch that. Uh, since it It's well worth your time, disgusting. even just like the first five minutes of it, where it seems like it's sort of hijacked. By the turtles or by yeah. the kids? But yeah. At one point, you can hear Oprah saying, oh my god, because they forgot to cut her mic when they cut to the turtles performing. Right. It's right. No one has picked up on this, because I've read every post about it. It's when the turtles are doing Walk Straight... About 26 minutes in, she introduces them, it cuts to the turtles, and you can hear her go, oh my god, it's great. Uh, anyway, so the, today we're here to talk about something that's the exact opposite, although not really, of the turtles. That's true. Well, I mean, we are talking about <laughs> anthropomorphic, uh, amphibious I monster will say, creatures. At some, at, Oprah does ask April if there's anything going on with her and the turtles, and Raphael or someone says, conceptually, that works for me. I've been trying to talk her into an interspecies relationship for years now. Anyway, uh, 
Well, uh, <laughs> this is this is uh, less about talking someone into an interspecies oh, relationship. God. We are reading Neonomicon today with returning to the show, Marvel editor Jordan D. White. Hello there, how's it going? <laughs> uh, thanks once again for jumping back on the ship. Oh, it is a pleasure. It is always a good time. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're really excited. Uh, we're really excited to have you in. Before we get into the book, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with you. I mean, All you right. are you are the editor, the caretaker of Deadpool. That I am. Um, congratulations! I saw you at the wedding. Oh yes, I was. I was, uh, I was in the giant record uh, record setting cover uh, on the wedding uh, issue. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love working on Deadpool. Uh, Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn writing such a great series, and then we've got all these great miniseries, a bunch by Colin Bunn, and we've got some new ones coming up by Dwayne Swierzynski, and uh, one that I'm very excited about. Yeah, Deadpool versus X Force. X Force. Yeah. The real X Force. The, the classic '90s X Force. Well, most of them, not all of them. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, yeah. <laughs> we, picked, we picked some of them, the ones we wanted to deal with. Yeah, uh, no, that's you picked, fair. You picked, you picked Boom Boom and Domino, yep. so like, I'm good. The only ones you left out were Shatterstar and Feral. Yes, we left out Shatterstar and Feral. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, but you've you've done your you've done plenty of work with with Shatterstar. Shatterstar was in. You can look around my office and see X-Factor. numerous pictures yeah. of this specific version of X Force. Technically, yeah. I did uh, an issue. I worked on at least one or two issues of X Factor with Feral in yeah. them as well. Yeah, her ghost. Yeah, her ghost. Aww. Oh, yeah. You um, it, you you were. Uh, you were editing X Factor for a while too. I just mm-hmm. um, I fell off for like a year just because of money and the Marvel Unlimited app. Just this week, I finished up uh, the run. The end of what X Factor? What a hell of a run! Like what a hell of an ending! Yeah, I love the entire series, but the the Hell on Earth War all the oh, way yeah. through the end was pretty nuts. <laughs> was a really great build. Good, good, good. Um, I, I mean, as you were as you were like. Uh, you know, working on that. What's it like? What's it like culminating like years of story like that? Well, I mean, really, really, it was all. I mean, it's all Peter. Peter's great, and Peter David, that is the writer of the series. He's terrific, and he knows those characters in and out, and he has so much to that he can just you know you know if you go to Peter and go like all right uh, they do this he would go got it and he would spin a great yarn with those characters yeah. because he knows them so well that he can make them interact and you believe them and they're, they're real for you. Um, I, was, I was on that series a bunch. Oddly enough, I was not on for Hell on Earth War because uh, I had been... I moved off to a different... Uh, to a bunch of other books and then I came back for the end of the series. Um, but some of the books I worked on there were, were some of my favorites. Like the, the crazy uh, Layla Miller issue, the Run Layla Run issue. Oh, yes. yeah. That issue was so much yeah. fun to work on, and it was very hard to keep straight. When we were reading the script for that, we were like, <laughs> okay, wait, I think I get what's going on here. We had to like try to color code things for the, the artist to be like, you understand what's going on here? Like It's pretty trippy and complicated, but it was so much fun to do. The Shatterstar Longshot issue. The, with, where we revealed the relationship. They're both relationship. each other's father? Yes. Oh, like, that I, was which is amazing. so good. That was, was something that Peter said he wanted to do ages ago. And everybody was a little widgy about it. <laughs> everybody was like, I don't know if They're, that's a good idea. I was like, no, that's a blast. It's the only it? idea. <laughs> Those yeah. two characters are already, like, that mystery has got, got to be way too big, way right. too huge. I mean, Those characters are so ridiculous to begin with right. that you can't, you have to give it a ridiculous convoluted, it fits with the late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Like, it fits with all it's that It's like stuff. an Avente. It's, it's yeah. like an Avente Herald that just folds in it. on itself. I, I was really happy we got to do that story. I was very, very pleased about that. Uh, and 
and then, yeah, now, then we we knew as we were doing that that we were going to do all new X Factor, which so we were able to plant some seeds of that in that final arc. Yeah. Um, but even so, I th- I think it's it's a very different series, but still in in the same kind of styles. It's still Peter writing really fun. Uh, relationships between these characters it's just they're different characters other than Polaris Polaris and Quicksilver always felt like a supporting character of that yeah Yeah, he used to be in it a lot more um, yeah back a while ago but yeah recently he's been off in Avengers Land and stuff yeah so so with All New X Factor the I mean how do you approach it differently compared to the original I mean mostly it's I mean well mostly just different characters but the, the idea that we enjoy the setup of this this whole concept of it's a, a corporation setting up their own superhero team, which I know technically has been done in other places before. But I like the fact that everybody jumps on it immediately and goes, "Well, they're evil, right?" They're yeah, evil. yeah. And we go, "Well, I don't know. Are they like are all corporations evil? Like, do they I mean, not do any good in the world? Maybe they, maybe, maybe even if they are evil, <laughs> the team could still do good things. They're being told to do good things, right? So why is that bad? I don't know. I like that yeah. complicated relationship with. I wrote it. the yeah. AR recap for issue one, and I, I remember I did two drafts because I was like, I don't know if you guys are intending for them to be evil. <laughs> so here's a draft where they are intended to be evil, and here's a draft where they're actually telling the truth. <laughs> I think. I mean, again, I think just fun. I think they're like, like you know, is. Is any corporate is McDonald's evil? Yeah, yeah, I mean they make some decisions that people don't like, and they make other decisions that people do like, and they pay people to make food. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who Something knows? like I mean, Google, Apple, anything that gets that big, eh, it's hard to keep it all in check. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know. Speaking of keeping things in check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good, speaking. Good. Of, what about some... speaking of whether things are evil or not? Jeez. Right there. You uh, go. Oh. There. I, I will also. I will throw out a, a trigger warning for listeners because we're probably there's going to be a lot of sexually. If, this is an intense story. This is a very intense story. If you just Google it, it's explicit. Yeah. It's dark. Yes. Uh, spoiler yeah. warnings, of course. Um, we are, of course, speaking of Neonomicon, written by the legend Alan Moore, drawn by Jason Burroughs, uh, released by Avatar in 2011, 2010. I think 2010. Yeah, think. somewhere in there. I think there were. I think there were two issues and then a break and then two more. Well, what it was was. Um... I, I can give you a little bit of the backstory on that, yeah. which is that <clears throat> Alan Moore wrote a, uh, a short story, a prose short story called The Courtyard, which was kind of him trying to do a Lovecraft story, but in a different uh, like setting, in a different tone than, than, than Lovecraft ones. So touching on the same kind of ideas and some of the same you know, details and specific names and stuff like that, but uh, make it different from Lovecraft. And um, that was called The Courtyard. That was then adapted... Into two comic book issues mm. by um, who did the adaptation? Uh, Anthony Johnston for Avatar, and they drew that, and it was a big success. Everybody thought it was great, um, and Alan Moore also apparently agreed and thought they did a really good job with it. And so he came and himself wrote a four issue follow up, which is called Neonomicon. They both tell, they both are two parts of like the same yeah. story, as I'm sure you discovered. Were, were you yeah. able to get the courtyard? I was not, no, unfortunately. That's a but I did. I after reading this, I had to read a lot of a lot of articles on the internet just to suss out my feelings, okay. <laughs> yeah, and my opinions. Um, which I will provide links to in the show notes because again, I think that uh, context and like figuring, uh, you know. Sure. And also, I'm going to be I'm going to be reciting a lot of things like third hand. <laughs> so, of course, well, let me, so please fact check. Well, me. let me just let you know really, really briefly. In the story of Neonomicon is about 
uh, it focuses on this uh, FBI agent investigating these crimes. At the beginning of it, she goes to talk to another former FBI agent who has gone crazy and murdered a bunch of people. Aldo Sachs? Aldo Sachs. Which is just Alto Sachs. <laughs> like, it's so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting name to chose. That character, Aldo Sachs, he is the main character of The Courtyard. The Courtyard is the story of him being sent to investigate a, a series of murders hmm. uh, and then eventually... Well, I mean, the quick the quick version is the murders that he's sent to investigate are very specific murders. These people have had their heads chopped off, their hands, hands chopped off, yeah. and their bodies carved open. Oof. But the, there's been at least like 12 or 14 of these murders. Yeah. The complicated part being they know one guy did six of them. They know another guy did four of them. They know another guy did three of them. These people have no connection whatsoever. They're in different parts of the country. They wouldn't have heard about each other's murders, so they couldn't be copycat killers. And so he's trying to figure out what's the connection? How? Why is this happening? Yeah. He traces it to a place in Brooklyn. <laughs> Red Hook. Yeah. Right. He Red traces Hook. it to Red Hook. To this Red club. It's called Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he traces it to this club in, uh, in Red Hook. Uh, he thinks he's tracing it to this drug called Aklo. He finds this guy who says he, will, he can sell him Aklo. He goes with him to his apartment. The guy says, all right, I'll give you the three hits of Aklo. Uh, it turns out Aklo, this is the big spoiler for the entire courtyard. Turns out Aklo is not a drug, it's a language. And he, the guy, he, take, he makes him take this like light drug first to like ready himself for it. And then he whispers in his ear a word. And that word like opens up, like mind-blowing. He's like, all of a sudden you realize you've always known this word. And he kind of defines it for you and he sees all these visions. And he does this three times. And then he leaves the guy's apartment. And by the time he gets back, back he ends up. He, he by the end of the the two the second issue of the thing he's speaking entirely in Aklo he's speaking all in the gibberish language yeah ah, uh, so the, the narration has shifted yeah. from like English to that um, and then we meet him and he's gone in in and he's gone crazy and he's already killed these people and he's been arrested yeah yeah uh, it's 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 really great so I know that I know that for some reason they are not they don't have these on Comicsology these two issues. If I, I, they have them in the, in the collection, though, I don't know why that is. That seems foolish because they are so relevant to the rest of yeah. the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and they're also really, really good, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I was reading, one of the things that came across was an interview that Almore did around the time this came out. That apparently this came, ac- came about because this was 2010 when he apparently, he said he had gotten into a fight with DC about the royalties from the Watchmen film. And it was like, mm-hmm. screw you guys, I'm out of here and I need... And he needed money, and so uh, who's the guy in charge of Avatar Press? Oh, uh, I know his name. William. Oh. William Christensen. William yeah. Christensen. Yeah. Uh, he went to Almore. Was like, "Do you want to do a four issue miniseries for us?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." So this was, but he he does point out like, "Yeah, this was done because I needed money, but sure. like I'm still going to make it." Yeah. I'm going gonna work on it. Yeah. Um, but he also said that he was apparently in a very um, misanthropic, dark period of his life. Well, and then he wrote this, <laughs> yeah. and then was like, oh, "Maybe I shouldn't have been that uh, extreme in my scripts." And then he would get pages back from Jason Burroughs and be like, "Oh no, this looks good. This is fine." Yeah. So this is fine. now, now whether or not it actually <laughs> is fine is a thing we'll probably have to suss out. Yeah. Well, but, what's interesting too is because. With as dark as this is, Jason Burroughs' art is always just so clean mm-hmm. and defined that yeah. that when these when some of the stuff that we're going to get into later, when it does happen, it's 
when you when you come across art that this clean like a, like a Steve Dillon or something, yeah, it's right, so right. the the graphic imagery is so matter of fact. Yeah, like could there's no easily... there's no sensationalism about it, which makes it even scarier to me. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it, it's played very much stylistically. If I were to compare this to something, I, I actually said this to someone earlier today. It's like True Detective if they had tipped over into mysticism which yeah. they kind of were hinting like they were going to and they never did if they did tip over it's very similar to that it's that yeah. same kind of feel of real heavy dark awfulness of life yeah oh yeah um, and uh, yeah I, 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 I'll tell you what I, I, I don't I want to know if you guys liked it but I, I definitely came prepared to defend it <laughs> sure uh, on some, because I know it's not for everyone and I also know that if you know Alan Moore, and I'm a big fan of Alan Moore, a lot of people do have a problem with the fact that he does put, I'm going to just say it, he puts, he rape, puts in rape in everything. Yeah, Literally yeah. Everything. He that really is, does. Yeah, that, yeah. Now, I don't <laughs> think he glamorizes it. I don't no. think he sexualizes it. Like, he's he's loves rape and wants to enjoy it. Yeah. Especially in this. I don't no. think anybody, well, I hope nobody's reading this going, this is so... Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awful and horrifying. And, but I think, it, I think it's important to the story of this one, too, yeah. especially. It, it's, it's interesting. I did, I'll say, I'm a horror guy. Okay. I liked it. I was a bit disturbed by the fact that I did like it. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, it's... It's well written. I'll tell you what too. Let's let's talk about it this way. So we open up with the first issue, right? The pacing across all these four issues is very patient, very slow. Not slow in a bad way. Well, it a, is slow in the third. It's slow in a bad way in the third issue. Well, in a way <laughs> that you were like, please sure, be over, like, please be over. Um, <laughs> in in fact, it's all still. Like, the first issue of this miniseries is just, it feels like the clouds are gathering. Like, the storm is still kind of gathering by the end of the first issue, where I was sufficiently creeped out. Um, it's paced like a really well-done horror movie. Like yeah. a classic, like, you know, your Rosemary's Baby, like your Omen, like your, yeah. not your modern day, you know... Blah blah blah. Right. Horror is not my language, so Yeah. But like we, we open <laughs> me with talk, a- me talk pretty. <laughs> we open with Agents Lamper and Breers uh coming to, to meet Sachs in the mental institution where he currently is uh is it is it a mental institution yes. or yeah, a facility? She yeah, comments yeah. about how like this right. is much nicer than when she was in for her, I'm gonna say, kind of needless sex addiction. Well, uh, no, uh, see, this is. Okay, I don't, okay. I'm, no, try, no, I'm trying not to I, be I'm like a spoil sport on this. Of no, course. no, but you can be yeah. because I'm sure there's plenty of people who would feel <laughs> yeah. that way. So yeah. they, will, they just, want a voice. <laughs> just because uh, I don't, it just seems there is a, and this is again things that I read, so I'm also like repeating things. So I had thoughts, and I needed to read a bunch of articles in order just like to get a more sure. my head, head around things. Of like, there's a thing when they're like, especially. I did, I did. I will say, uh, <laughs> I I am Brett, and I was like, you read it. Uh, this was like a couple of days ago, and he was like, oh, I'm I'm about to get to it. And I was like, all right, dude, just get ready. <laughs> Because I know Brett. Because I know Brett, <laughs> and I know that like he's so, going mean, to put it down and he's going to get on the internet. <laughs> I imagine this is the darkest thing you guys have ever covered. Uh, uh, on the show? I mean, Kick-Ass... Do Kick-Ass 2... See, it's I would say dark. that Kick-Ass yeah. 2 might be worse because there is, in my opinion... No level of artistry... Or artistry. It's all gratuitous. It's, yeah, it's all gratuitous. Whereas sure. in this is... Gra- 
gratuitous, but with a point that I am not personally sure that Alan Moore succeeded in, but other people could see that. Whereas Mark Miller in Kick-Ass sure. 2 was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to throw rape everywhere just because fuck it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't I, like that pun. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, yeah. Um, and then Severed was also horrific. Oh, Severed was oh, really intense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's um, but I think but there's, there's a weird trope with like strong female characters, which I say in quotes because that's like the trope that just female characters are strong because they have a weird... Basically, like a sexy angle. Like Electra is strong because she overcame getting raped by her father, sure. or Silk Spectre is strong because like she survived like a rape attempt from the comedian. See, but or like Catwoman is strong because she survived being a prostitute. I'll tell you what. I, I mean, I this is this <laughs> has to jump right to the big spoiler of the entire series. Yeah, so again, sure. So super spoilers. Please and read. Trigger it warnings. I don't know. You, oh, yeah. We'll be back to lighter fare next week if you just want. To, I'm just saying. Just, just, just to be respectful sure, of sure. anyone who... Yeah. yeah. So continue. Now that, but <laughs> what I was going to say was uh, she undergoes some, obviously, some terrible treatment. But I feel like a lot of that is in service of the fact that by the end of the story she goes, hey, fuck the world. I'm going to let everyone die. Yeah. Like... Well, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> she you doesn't. Said... She doesn't save the world. She goes. I'm gonna. No, I'm she's pregnant with Cthulhu. She's co- pregnant with Cthulhu, yeah, yeah. who is going to awaken and destroy mankind. Yeah. That, and I mean, I don't know. I don't. Not. Man, <laughs> the thing like this is like I don't even know if we can go linearly. It's like well, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You had you had said earlier like she was. So she is meant. She mentions the uh, the facility because she was previously treated for a sex addiction. Yeah, right. and then her partner is just like a dick about it. Oh, yeah, he's, he's kind of. But a that's dick. the thing. Everybody's a dick about it. Yeah. yeah, he's a dick about it. The the part that always <laughs> horrifies. I actually reread this when I asked you guys to do it, and then because it was a couple weeks later, I reread it again over the last two days. Yeah. Um, every <laughs> time I get to the part where her boss hits on her. Oh yeah. I'm like. That's so disgusting. Yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, you uh, you good? Welcome back. Welcome back. If you ever want to go back to the way things were, just let me know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and then... Really the, 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 you, is he hitting on you? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is <laughs> also, yeah. Here's the, here's the thing about the, <sighs> the so... sex addiction. The other thing about her is that she, she had read a lot of Lovecraft and researched a lot of Lovecraft yeah. prior to her time in the FBI. Mm-hmm. And she mentions later in the book... That it's fascinating that you don't, until you reach a certain point in your life, you don't realize that the pieces of your life are starting to form a picture with right. a puzzle. And that's sort of what happened here. That, that yeah, of course she was always meant to be this person and it was horrific, but that was the course that her life was taking and until yeah. she got to that point. So it is relevant. I will say... Uh, I do wish... Th- I feel like there are more horrific things that could happen than than rape. Like, she didn't have to be... Maybe... maybe well, she didn't have to be. I don't know. It's not my story. But mm-hmm. the, the sex addiction thing, and it, it, always, it, does, it does immediately spring to mind for me just because, again, it's Alan Moore, and it's like I'm reading an Alan Moore story about rape. It's like, uh, which one? But, uh, but, uh, but outside yeah, well, of that... That's true. <laughs> outside of that, Breer's... As a character who, who across this first issue, again, the clouds are sort of gathering and they're getting intel and they go, they go to the club, Club Zo- Zotique? What was it? Zotique or something Zotique, like that? Zotique, yeah. I don't know exactly how to pronounce um, it. Yeah. Which, is, which is a club in Red Hook, which, listeners, if you are not from New York City, I do not recommend going to a club in Red Hook. 
not even just in this story. Um, but they go there, and something's definitely off. And by the end of the issue, uh, they have found um, they have found some disturbing stuff. And a guy that they that was sort of their their tip man, right? Their uh, He's is like Johnny Carcosa? Him. Yes. Johnny Carcosa is the one who... He's the dealer. He's the dealer. He's right. the one who, in, in, the, the in the previous one, whispered the yeah. words, Aklo words, into uh, Sax's ears. They, yeah. had, they, had the, they had a guy on the inside... Johnny Face. Uh, John, no, Johnny to get Face. Somebody right. Face. Yeah. Somebody Face. I forget his first name. Uh, I was, but yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, Carcosa just sort of fades into this chalk drawing, which immediately... So cool. Freaks yeah, yeah. everyone out. It's oh, yeah, really creepy. So. <laughs> um, and what I what I liked about that too is that um, we know as readers that we're approaching a supernatural story. We're reading a supernatural horror yeah, story because the name of the book. Exactly. <laughs> like we know. Yeah. But, but they don't know that. Yeah. But the characters don't. So they're still treating this as an everyday case. And when that happens, they are truly freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a good storytelling choice, and it's it's a good sort of. Uh, uh, eye for the eye for the reader, or like the entry point for the reader to be like, this is fucked up, and they have a voice, they have an actual voice in the story saying, this is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I think, the thing actually, probably the thing I think Alan Moore is best at, and he's really good at a lot of things, but the thing that I find most amazing about him is the way that he is able to put the reader exactly where they are, where he wants them mentally on every page. By which I mean, typically, yeah. in my opinion, when you're reading an Alan Moore comic or an Alan Moore story, I guess, he makes you think exactly what he wants you to think every step of the way. Yeah. Like, you read a line and all of a sudden you realize this. Um, and I feel like this is a really good example of that. Like, yeah. like it, it, you can come along and, and spoil this by going, hey, it's about this girl getting pregnant with Cthulhu. But I feel like if you read it, you 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 get there exactly when he wants you to, and yeah, every just, step yeah. of the way. Because I didn't yeah. I didn't see the end coming until right when she like stood up, and you could see a tiny little baby bump. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting too. Uh, I've seen Alan Moore scripts mm-hmm. oh, before, God. and they're dense. They they're are so, so dense. dense, more than a page per page. At yeah, least, at least. I remember. I remember there was a, a Violator miniseries that he wrote for Todd McFarlane Productions. <laughs> oh, Do you remember this? Uh, I Bart vaguely Sears? remember this. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. And they would show. They would show in the back matter. They would show his his script pages and the thumbnails that he sent Bart Sears oh a for every that, page. A character that does not need that much thought. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but again, too, sort of right in Alan Moore's wheelhouse uh, when you think about it, with all of the supernatural sure. elements of Violator and his brother's Vindicator and, and everybody else. I'm, but I'm just glad you're not saying it's because his name was Violator. Oh man, there it was. <laughs> there it is. It's yeah. all there. It's I'm all sorry, there all the time. That That's the worst. Oh god, I can't even. Oh well, no, but like it's not your fault. It's Alan Moore's fault for making rape a key p- component in everything okay. he writes. But here, here's the. Th- I mean, in his defense, no, when, no, no I, I do have to be in his defense because I think he's great, and I think he well, writes you, great stories. Yeah, but you can also acknowledge that it's problematic and still like it's like, definitely yeah, problematic. Yeah, 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 but at yeah. the same time, like. <clears throat> You know, one of the things he says is it's the thing that happens. Right. Okay. And I know that's not the best argument in the world. But, for example, if you look at statistics, like how often it happens, it obviously happens a really ridiculously, stupidly large amount. And that's horrible and awful. It happens so much more than murder. 
And we write about murder all the time. And yeah. we don't go, why is there so much murder in all these things? Like, everybody's fine with... I mean, not everybody's fine with murder. Yeah. But stories about murder are not usually thought of as problematic. But the, the thing that I've seen people say, though... Uh, I think I think it was Laura Hudson said this when Mark Millar's thing blew up is that it is usually male writers writing about a thing that does not happen to them with repercussions that they cannot understand usually for a in Mark Miller's case in the same like uh, way that you would decapitate someone. No, you're right. Which is also like, and I think that Alan Moore can get away with it like once or twice, but the fact that it's in every single thing he writes, the difference is is this. The difference is, no. oh, wow, this is getting super heavy. Yeah. I, no, this okay. is already a heavy That's story. Okay. And we're like, let's <laughs> no. get heavier about the <laughs> yeah, details. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, here's the way, the, one of the ways I think about it is that when you look at the way that Mark Miller uses it in... No, I'm not going to defend that. No, I'm not no. trying to defend that. No, but no, one no. of the things I would say about the way that he uses it is that when people are really serious, seriously talking about rape and about the repercussions thereof... They talk about how it's not a sexual crime; it's a violent crime. It's a it's about power, and it's about it's not yeah. about you know the good feeling of sex. It's no. about malicious things and yeah. bad things. Yeah. I think that a lot of times when an immature writer uses it, they just use it on the sex level. They yeah. use it on the level of this is a man who wants to have sex, and a woman is saying no, but he wants it more than she doesn't want it, so he wins. Yeah. <laughs> and that's awful, and that's a terrible way to use it, but I don't feel yeah, like Alan Moore ever uses it that way. Stop writing that <laughs> stuff. No, I don't mean 12 year olds. No. I mean but, emotional 12 year olds. Yeah, emotional yeah. 12 year olds. But, but that's I think a, that's Alan Moore good, always writes it as no, he writes about horrific yeah. things being done. The the other thing that I've seen brought up in response to that is even like, oh, Al, Al, well, you know, I fucking oh, had this to is a big thing. Of course, yeah. Now, uh, is that most everyone does agree that Almore does. Um, he never glamorizes it. Right. And a lot of people do actually point out that he uses it in a way that is meant to, in a way, comment on the misogyny in comics. Like, yeah. he's like, oh, all you, like, boys with your power trips, here's what this actually looks like. I'm going to show you what it really looks like, and it's not good. Yeah. yeah. No, it's um, not but good. the thing is, is that he never... No one can really find stories where the mental repercussions or, like, the effect it has on the woman is ever told. Ever. Like... Okay. With, well, with, in this, she damns the whole world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Silk Spectre ends up, like, actually, like, falling in love with a comedian and, like, right. having a baby with him, which is Very also, like, that's, that's yeah, a, yeah. And then even, like, um, Lee of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Invisible Man just, like, goes invisible and rapes a whole bunch of schoolgirls, and the repercussions of, like, the effect that has on the girls never dealt with. And then Invisible, Invisible Man gets raped to death, apparently. Right. Yes. Totally true. So, so again, like, that's... it's like, Although, I mean, again, that was, well... I don't want to get into every detail of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's also a commentary on the stuff he was basing it on as well, which yeah, was yeah. weird, crazy porno comics. Yeah. yeah, and and I actually do think that... I do respect this book for actually going into detail about how fucked up Lovecraft is. Yeah. Because if you don't know the fact that he is super racist and also was super sexually, like, weird and fucked up, a lot of the, like, the N-word being dropped in this mm-hmm. book would be like... Where'd that come from? And yeah. then you find out, it's like, oh, it's because these people worship Lovecraft, and right. Lovecraft was super... So, like, I they, do respect that there is almost a justification 
for a lot of the care a lot of the things that happen in this book. Well, there's a lot of meta stuff in this yeah, book yeah, as yeah. well. I mean, that's that's the thing. The courtyard doesn't. It, I don't want to say it doesn't get meta because it gets meta in the in the way that it uses lots of Lovecraft references. Yeah. But it does. It's not aware of Lovecraft in the courtyard. In this, they actually bring in the idea that they know who Lovecraft is and yeah. this stuff exists. Yeah. Um, they use yeah they use Aldo Sachs as in some ways an emotional an emotional. A stand-in for Lovecraft in about how racist he is and how weird about sex he is at the end of the book. Oh yeah, because um, yeah. in the in the courtyard he's also super racist. Um, <laughs> and and he and he, yeah, says terrible things. Um, and then, but I, I think that I think that's also part of the reason that he goes so extreme about the sex stuff because that even even weirder to me than the racist stuff because at least there's a giant weird culture of racism an awful culture of racism <laughs> during Lovecraft's time. Yeah. The fact that Lovecraft had this weird sexual, d- d- no sexualness. Yeah, that's writing. something I didn't know That there know are no about. women in his writing for the yeah. most part. And that, or never thought of. Uh, that's crazy. And I mean, there are definitely women in some of them. But there's no sex. There's no... And so I think the fact that they had a person comment saying, to me it seemed like it was all about sex. And I think that was yeah. Alan Moore kind of going, yeah, but what? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. What if it's all about sex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of not at all about sex. Yeah. And it's... It, uh, <laughs> what it seems like, too, is like... Again, with Jason Burroughs as your artist, when... You know, even when we get to, like, the... Orgy. So, uh, so our agents yeah, infiltrate this. This. Uh, I, do, I do like that they felt they had to get dressed up like sexy people in order to go to a sex store. Yeah. What's is that? That's, <laughs> that's a weird a good thing, point. right? Yeah, that is weird. Well, they, like, well, I think they they wanted to make. I think the idea was like, let's make ourselves look like someone who's so into this that they would immediately uh, yeah. accept us as. And you then know. you see all the people involved in the sex cult, and, and they're, they're just, all just they're they're all normal there's like people. Normal, yeah. just like they're just like people. blase people. Oh, they're, they're just wearing shirts, t-shirts, yeah. and stuff. I didn't think that was a pretty funny uh, yeah. scene. Yeah, it, well, it, it's also again with the his mundanity. art, it's so matter of fact yeah. and mundane. Yes, and they they go into this chamber, and again, the mundanity of it. This is, I guess, what I was sort of uh, trying to get to. Warren steps away and they're all naked and they're in this like waiting pool of and, river water yeah and Ugh. one of the women gets uh gets their guns out of their bags and just shoots him shoots him he dies off yeah. like half off panel which is yeah. not it, it is just this turn that i did not expect mm-hmm. just Things you know, this is the guy. There, this too. is the guy for almost half the story that has been one of our co-leads, and yeah. he's done. Dead. The black guy. And again, but no, I also, but no, I, I think that might be a point on Al Moore's part. Yeah, it, it is. It is so weird how he is black, and these people are racist. How? But like, their specific like flavor of racism is That's very true because there because there are there are Vietnamese. There are couple are Vietnamese, and also they were very welcoming of like having sex with this black guy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then as soon as he's dead. <laughs> They start like using epithets and oh, yeah. kind of like they're all oh, these guys getting so big now and like just being really it's like oh wow like you kill them and then all of a sudden they are super super racist towards them. Oh it's yeah, it's almost like this flip switches on them. But he died. He's murdered so matter of factly, and then they just force Meryl into these into this horrible <sighs> sexual situation. But again, I, I think like what Jordan was saying earlier, this is not. Alan Moore going right. It, it's oh, him no. going. It's him going. Yeah, 
this is awful, isn't yeah. it? This is this is terrible, isn't it? This horrifies yeah. you. Um, and <clears throat> there's there's something really, really disturbed. Like this whole scene is incredibly uncomfortably disturbing, especially how again matter of fact they are about ignoring her or like listening to her and being like, oh, yeah. just stop. Yeah. It's it's really terrifying. There's a, a lot of this is. Trying to find, like, again, it's, it's so intense that I, I'm starting to have a hard time finding Wait, words. It's very like, intense. It's, it feels weird to praise a scene like this. But I do, I will say, like, yeah. the art does not sensationalize it at all. No. And also, I, I do, I don't know. My whole thing was like, man, it could have been two pages. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's not two pages. You don't yeah. have to do ten. Uh... And then to jump ahead a tiny bit, the thing that the thing that undersells um, the whole of all of this of is that the thing that ugh, that I can't even think of a reason why. Okay, she befriends the fish monster that rapes her eight times in three days. Well, and she like offers it. She offers it food and like talks to it basically like it's uh, like like it's Stitch. <laughs> like you well, know, like it's like sure. And it's like I want to see. I don't know. I personally like wanted to see her f- fighting it or trying to stay away from it because or not, it's, you know, it's such a, a weird turn. But it's a st- it's a sort of almost Stockholm syndrome sort of situation where like she, one she's stuck and two that is her sort of trying to take. I read it as her trying to take sort of any control that she could over the situation that she's in. She knows yeah, she's yeah. going to die one way or another. But she does say that. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. wish that, I don't know, I mean, from my point of view, it's like after seeing this character who started off as like our lead character and then you watch what happens to her, it's like, I was like, like, don't offer it food. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. some be nice she, to it. Well, that's the thing. On some level, first of all, she's given up. And on another level, well, I mean, th- th- it is a creature. We don't know at this point whether How it's intelligent it? really oh. at all. Yeah. And by oh. the end of it, you find out that it's at least somewhat intelligent. Yeah, because it yeah. does sort of talk. Fuck. And then it yeah. saves her. But there, I guess, also because he is playing in the playing in the realm of rape. I'm glad this is an episode oh, that Ben does goodness. not have the title. Um, since he's doing that, <laughs> a lot of the tropes that come along with it come along with it, which is like women fall in love with their rapists. Like the whole what was that? The soap opera from the early '80s, Luke and Laura. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Is that what that oh, was? General Hospital. Yeah. On Luke, Luke and Laura. Yeah. yeah. It's he like raped her, whole, and then they got married. Yeah. And they got married again, which is crazy. And so like. It's her, also, her doing that, like, kind of brings up that trope again, which is like, oh, it's a thing that even though, I don't know, it brings a ton of baggage. Also, a I ton think, of baggage. you know what else? Also, I think that also, I'm nervous to say this, <laughs> but I also would say that that could tie in with the, the sex addiction part at the beginning, not because she's addicted to it, but because of what she says about the sex addiction, yeah. which is that her having sex with people isn't about her liking them, it's about her hating herself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And about that this could this is her going like, that's it, it's over, Oof. I've given up. It's it's sad and dark. Have some bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're in the, we're in this weird pool together. I mean yeah. it is, because definitely these people worship this monster, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's sitting there going, hey, I'm the king. Like, it's not giving orders, you know what I mean? It All she knows like, of it is it comes in and has sex. Yeah, it seems like a little, uh... And again, it's because she offers it food and it takes it. It seems, it does seem very weirdly friendly. Well, it doesn't take the food, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, but for that... <laughs> it for comes that, over and tries to have sex with her again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's... Oh, 
horror guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, and so in this third issue, we're we're dealing with the repercussions of her. She is locked in this. She's locked in this space with this monster, and it is just. It's, I, I don't know any other word except brutalizing her. Um, it, there, the the four panel page where we first see her since the end of the last issue, and she just is laying on the ground with the most vacant look a person can have on their face as this monster is doing what it's doing to her, and then we cut to it, what is inside her brain. Yeah. Um, we sort of go inside her head as she runs into Carcosa. She dreams of Carcosa, meeting yeah. her in Relais. And Relais. Is that how you... That's how I pronounce it. Relais? Relais sounds I, good. I did work on a little... I, I did a... Um, I did, because I do enjoy Lovecraft stuff. I try. I was at one point working on a music adaptation of Call of Cthulhu, and I only did the first part out of the three parts. But when I was preparing to do the second part, I did learn how to say, or in, at least to the best of my ability, "Fingli Mogunaf Cthulhu Relay Ganagel Fatagan." Nice, which is the big phrase that they say throughout that story a gazillion times. Um, it took a long time to get to say. <laughs> yeah, it was very not. That is that is not any language. No, but it is fun. Oh, sorry. As you were saying, no. But but we're we're introduced to her once again, and the hallucination kind of brings her back to. She kind of comes back out of that, and the the one of the women who is just all smiles and is just so excited. Yeah. To be offering this woman to this demon, and it, or not demon, but this monster, monster yeah. um, and and this is the first time that Meryl actually gets to see it because she her contacts contact. were out. Yeah, and the look again, the look on her face, like Jason Burroughs as an artist does a really great job of really conveying these or, people's emotions on their face, um, especially with Meryl in that last issue when she was asking for this to not happen, just the terror, and then the hopelessness, and then as she's locked back in there, again, she's just so horrified, and as she's being drugged back into the water, and then it happens all over again, that just... Uh, it, it's... Bang, pow, comics aren't for kids anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's... Yeah. it's, it's, it's what, uh, I, I hadn't heard this phrase until actually reading about uh, True Detective. I don't know if you guys watched True Detective. I did not. Um, I might. It's very dark. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't go supernatural like this does, but it hints at it for a moment and then it doesn't. There's, is there a cult in it or something? It, it, it connects to an uh, August Derleth story called The King in Yellow. Okay. Um, and so it, when it's, once, as soon as they start mentioning The King in Yellow and Carcosa... Speaking of Carcosa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it Carcosa in that one? I yeah. think it is. Um, I immediately was like, what? Is this going to become like this weird like Cthulhu show? And well, far it doesn't. But it's awesome. <laughs> and part of the reason he did do that is because he talked about he likes the genre. And the genre that they call that, 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 that they talk, like to talk about with Lovecraft, and I think it's a really neat name for it, is Existential Dread. Um, and if you watch True Detective, I think even without any anything supernatural whatsoever, it still sticks to that. Hmm. It is kind of like what this. I think this book captures pretty well. This this like complete horror of existing, like that. Yeah. It's just that everything is kind of awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't believe this in life. I'm a very happy person. Yeah. I just like stories. <laughs> um, but and I think that this does capture it, and like you end up 
I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's not a lot of stories where you would read it and the main character ends it by going, "I've so I've decided like the, we'd be better off if the world ended." Yeah. yeah. And and are good with it. And I feel like I don't know. I read this and I was like, "All right." Yeah, it's <laughs> at least I was interested. <laughs> I don't want and, to die, but <laughs> yeah, and I think you, I, I think you touch on something important too. There, like it's not like we're we're generally happy people. I mean, when we talk to each other off mic, I mean, <laughs> you know, we're not we're not all like. So horrible. Many, so many people I know seem exactly like me, and then I find out that a lot of people I know read stuff like this, and I'm like, oh, I'm not like everyone else. <laughs> no, I mean, not, I not do that love way. Stories like no, this. it's just I mean, like I a lot of like stories. a lot of like improv comedians and stuff like. Yeah. Some people love horror, and oh, I yeah. just don't. I like horror in October, and for that one month, <laughs> yeah. I'm all about it. And then after that, I'm like, I don't want to do it again. But but like you were saying, it's <laughs> you just like good story, like you like stories, yeah. and that's. That's in everything that Moore builds across this tale. Really, is an example of like when you get to the end, the end makes sense mm-hmm. because right. of everything that you've lived through with this character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If if I and yes, I wish it was something other than rape. But if it, it but it would have to be something just as horrible for you to accept that this character. Is going to damn the world. I mean, you mentioned that Alan Moore was like he wrote it in a bad mood, and I feel like that—that's where I am with it. In that, I can relate to this at my darkest. You okay. know what I mean? I, during mm-hmm. my darkest hours, when you're when you are sitting there going like, "We try so hard every day, and nothing comes to fruition. Like everything is yeah. adding up to nothing." See, when I- Which I don't believe <laughs> most of the time. But yeah, yeah. When you're really unhappy, you're like, "Yeah, this is awful. Everything is awful." <laughs> And yeah. this is where I am jealous of uh, everyone else because, like, when I get super depressed, all of my music is like the Apples and Stereo and the Go Team and like the Kinks. It's <laughs> like I, because I love Apples and Stereo are great. I, I like I like very upbeat, happy music. So like when I get depressed, it's like fuck. I guess I'll listen to Interpol. No, like, see that's why like, I, like, that's why I like stuff like um, well, when I was in high school, I listened to Oingo Boingo all the time. And then when I later discovered the Smiths, the similar thing. They sing about really depressing things. But they do it in kind of an upbeat way, yeah. which I feel like is almost like a parody of sadness. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a, it's a, it's. I'm sitting there really depressed, and I'm like, ha! I'm laughing at my own sadness. I'm laughing at. How <laughs> awesome it's, it's great. It's great. I mean, I guess I like Mad Men is like my favorite show. That's a dark show, and it's well, we'll see how it ends. I mean, yeah, yeah it is on. <laughs> it is on the whole a less positive uh, show than like Buffy, which is my other like sure. really favorite show. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I guess I do have a little bit of that. But even Mad Men is like fucking. It's bright. It's got good clothes. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not fish monster penises. Now, again, I, I, I'm 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 bummed that I was not able to give you guys the trade of this so you could read the the courtyard. It's pretty awesome. Um, one really quick small note is that, uh, interestingly, the courtyard is done all in entirely in page tall panels oh wow oh wow it's all it's all, all uh so what is that called uh <laughs> vertical yeah those yes, are all, like all vertical, vertical panels parts. that go yeah. to top to top to bottom hands. uh whereas then as soon as it switches to neonomicon it switches to all uh, uh horizontal panels which is i thought was interesting oh, yeah wow um, <clears throat> i don't know if that i don't know if whose idea that was it's, it's neat though the other thing that i really love is that so when we get to this moment where Johnny Carcosa whispers the words into Sax's ears. The f- he, we hear the three words, and it gives these giant 
uh, pages of like weird trippy imagery. But we also get some cool Alan Moore philosophizing stuff. For the first two of them, we actually hear what they mean. Um, so the first one is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to give it a shot. And he says, uh, it's a word for the negative conceptual space left surrounding a positive concept. The class of things larger than thought being what thought excludes. Wow. So, like, whenever you whenever you have a positive thought, that means surrounding that positive thought is all the negativity that you pushed aside right. to focus on the yeah, one positive. Yeah, it's like the de- yeah, and then and then because then similarly, I think the second word is related but different. The second word is uh, do 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 na maybe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he defines that as where is it? Oh, up here, uh, a force which defines. A force which defines, lends significance to its receptacle, as with a hand in the glove, wind in mill veins, the guest or the trespasser crossing a threshold and giving it meaning. And what I think is so great, again, about him is I feel like those are both concepts that then, if you then, like, reapply them to the story, it's like, wait, that's what this... That's where he ended up going with, like, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Her life is defined by the fact retroactively by the fact that she's the mother of Cthulhu and the, the yeah <laughs> it's like the, like the idea that I, thought, yeah. I love the hand in the glove because yeah. it's like you have a glove and a glove is a thing but it only has significance and meaning because of a hand like without yeah. a hand there's no glove well in the and it's interesting that you say that too because in the fourth issue when she comes back and talks to Sax mm-hmm. they talk about how time is time is a circle and some of the stuff that we've seen is actually stuff that's happening. Those those tales are actually future images, right? Yeah. and not the past. Exactly. Which which again makes makes sense that like you know that is the the defining trait of her life, and she never knew it. Oh man, I'm starting to get real high off ideas <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, Echo is taking you. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, speaking I in tongues. I don't, I don't. I'm trying to remain like upbeat more. I, I hate when I come across. If as, you like, didn't like it, tell. Like, no, no. Say, I, 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 I hate when I when I tend to come across as like. I, don't know, I feel like there's a parody version of myself that I slip into sometimes. Uh, I think everyone has that. Yeah, yeah. of course. No, because I. Because I, there, I do. I like monsters. I like creepiness. Um, X Files is one of my favorite shows. Oh, that's a fun show. So like the 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 core concept of this story is something that I really like. Uh, I'm just I'm just wondering like it's a bold 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 choice to do an entire issue of a of a rape scene. Well, <laughs> the whole issue. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was well, a big chunk of it. Yeah, it yeah big chunk. Yeah. Well, just because as as another reviewer I read uh, review I read of this said was like. When you make that choice, you're making a choice of either of basically risking like this is going to pull certain people out of the story and immediately make them category like hate like done. Oh, it's hate. a line in the sand. It, it's move. Yeah. and it's like one that was just like and I do think that like the like she if the whole point of the story is her life being defined by being the mother of Cthulhu, she's got to make a baby. Like I mean, like that has to it, like I'm not it's not even saying that like that scene can be plucked out. Because it is what the whole thing is about. Yeah. Um, and thematically, it makes sense knowing where Lovecraft is coming from. Like, and so it's just like, for me as a person, I was like, man, I could have, you know, done a little bit less. Also, I'm <laughs> I'm very happy that yeah. there was, in a way, justice for the evil that was done to her. 
in some way, die. and that the monster rips them apart. Yeah, yeah. rips all of them apart because uh, they don't really they... understand it either. They don't know what they're doing either. Yeah, yeah. And, and the monster dies too. So yeah, <laughs> and and it seems it seems that in. And she knows, and Breers knows that all of this is going to be happening. She's like narrating it from outside the sex shop, uh, yeah, as it's. Yeah, she's like, you know, they're going to be going down there. They're going to try to hide it. They're going to try to make it go away. Um, yeah. And and of course, that's exactly what's happening. And they're just getting deeper and deeper into the bowels of this creepy situation. And you know, with him killing them. Uh, you can see that like his 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 back spines are all up and oh, everything. Yeah. With the context that we have, with the conclusion, was this him trying to stay around to protect his baby? I don't know. Or no. was this something uh, unconnected that he I just feels... raged on them? Oh wait, so oh wait, does he know that she's pregnant? That's because why, that's drank... why he. Right. That's yeah. why he drinks. Like, he drinks her urine he drinks and then freaks out. <laughs> you yeah. make it sound like he poured a cup. Like it's like. <laughs> It on the ground and then he tested yeah, yeah. it real quick. Yeah, so he did a Chemex pour over with it, and, <laughs> okay, and then, yeah, that's and then he knew she was pregnant. That's why he and then he start as you. Oh, sorry, as you uh, yeah. as you said, he starts talking a little. Like he he's still talking in monster speak, but she starts to understand what that's he's saying. Quick. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah, because that's all he's here for is to get someone pregnant. They think I don't. I, I mean, again, those people don't know. Uh, yeah. What he's there Why for. hasn't anyone else gotten pregnant yet? Well, because she's the mother of Cthulhu. Also, yeah. also what the what her boss asks, like, uh, do you need like a, an AIDS test or anything? And she's like, no. Yeah. But it's like, well, I mean, yes, you do. Well, because but, I but, think but that's, but no, just, that's the thing. That, I think, is her. At that point, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. Like, I think she does that so be, so that she can protect the baby. At yeah. Yeah, there, there is something to. to you could even like maybe frame everything that happens from the her offering it food and whatnot as being just affected and internally controlled that's by true. whatever is in she her. She does which suggest would, that's possible. Yeah, which would affect everything that she's doing. I just thought it was really insensitive and in character with that character to be like, oh, so you need a need Nate's uh, hey, you need Nate's test yeah. here. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> he was a terrible guy. Uh, I mean, and again, and that's part of why she's like, you know what? Uh, what if everybody just died? I mean, what does she say about people at the end? She says something like that. Like, yeah, she goes back to con- she goes back and she confronts Sax, and she begins, you know, speaking in Aklo. Yeah, in Aklo to him, and he it immediately snaps him back to English because he did not expect that. Uh, and you know, she says it's just comes to him lately, and. Uh, oh yeah, uh, a gargouille de la mer. Guys, we're using this language a that, lot. Well, no, that's French. That's oh. French. Okay. <laughs> a gargouille de la mer. Well, it's that still, means like sea gargoyle. Right? Yeah, sea gargoyle. Yeah, <laughs> could summon something uh, that we're not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, She's it, at the end. It's on the second to last page. He says to her, uh, "You're a goddess. I don't deserve your presence. No one does." And she says, "No, maybe not, but they deserve his presence." Yeah. Not talking about Cthulhu in her belly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you this. Um, as they're speaking, and she says that she she realizes that she's seeing on a higher plane of existence now as well, we cut to Lang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to see... They try to represent, and it's hard, it's one of those crazy things to draw, they try to represent people in time. 
yeah. as like a weird, you know, like a weird caterpillar person, like existing in every place they existed in every second surrounding yeah. the second. Oh. So like if you took so that's like, what this is like. That's why that's them like trailing yeah. into it. If you took like a panorama shot with your iPhone and someone was walking right. across the and they become time. like a weird caterpillar person. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. That's what they're trying to depict here. It's such a complicated thing to look at. Yeah. But she, that, that's, again, that's when they're talking about the whole idea that uh, time is not the way we perceive it. It's it, And so maybe the stories that we've heard about the great old ones are not old. They're they're hap- they're going to still happen. Yeah. Uh, Oof. It's, yeah. It gets crazy and complicated. And, and, and of course, <laughs> too, based on that, the very first page of the story is also the very last page of yep. the story. Yeah. Where the, whereas, and now I'm assuming, this, my experience when I read it the first time, the first page you read thinking there's outer space, cosmicness, and then the last page being that's inside her womb. And that's um, an umbilical yeah. cord that you're seeing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, that's the thing with Cthulhu is, and they didn't really mention it too much in here, but they always talk about Cthulhu sleeping below this, in the waters of Relais, uh, deep under, under the sea or something. And yeah. then this suggests, well, that's the womb instead. Oh wow! Because yeah. that's all also based on that scene with Johnny Carcosa when she's dreaming about him and talking to him. It also features the most fucked up joke in the entire book. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those were quotes, air quotes, hard uh, air quotes. Because okay, what do you call what do you call a fish person in um, uh, H.P. Lovecraft? This is not a setup for a joke. This is a fact. Oh. What you call a fish person in H.P. Lovecraft is they call them deep ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the terrible joke that Johnny Carcosa makes, she's talking about having sex. Uh, she's, she's talking about really vulgar things. And he says, that's because uh, something's screwing you. I'm not doing his accent. He has a funny accent. Yeah. That's because something's screwing you. See, all this is a dream. And then he says, as for your real situation, this fuck you're having, it's a deep one. Ah, okay. Okay. There you go. Terrible. That's a good pun, Alan Moore. Yeah. (laughs) Awful. Oh, Oh, sorry. That's terrible. That's why he writes horror. No, I'm kidding. That's. I I, I, see. I didn't know that. And but there's but there's you know what there's a zillion things like that in here. Yeah. Um, And and part of it is stuff they they go into a little bit of it where they say like oh that person's name that's from this other book and that person's name that's from this other book. There's a whole bunch of shit in here like that, and I do. Yeah. I, like someone, I don't know anything about Lovecraft. I only know Cthulhu because one of my friends in Tennessee was super obsessed with getting a like a Cthulhu hero click or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, there was a mm-hmm. giant. one. Yeah, and he like was obsessed with it. So that's the only thing I know about him is that there was a hero click, and so I liked that the characters in the story were also like piecing it together, and all of them were like trying to connect their half remembered things. Yeah, that, that worked. But you know what, too. Um... And as as guys who do read stories that do have like the minutia of detail like that, like yeah. like comic stories that rely on continuity and things like that, I at no point during this felt out of touch yeah. with things because I didn't know. It, it's well written enough that you get just enough information that you need in the situation and the characters that don't have that information are the ones that you relate to because they also don't have that information. I think it's smart writing Mm -hmm. and I think it's what makes something like this more accessible. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, would you recommend it to someone? I would recommend this... I would... You know, I'd have to 
know you the person. To, you have to know this is not this is not like a first date recommendation. I'll put it that. This is not a first date recommendation. Um, this is this is a couple years into the if, relationship. If you if you are a hundred percent hardcore on board with everything Elmore has ever written and also love H.P. Lovecraft, then Venn diagram. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It. yeah. Because you know what you're gonna get with your Alan Morris. Um, yeah, you, and you also. I mean, if you're also someone, if you know someone that is that is into horror, that that is into like hard horror, you know, um, not just not just like a like a studio remake of Friday the Thirteenth, but someone that's like into the deep cuts, like the really fucked up Toby Hooper <clears throat> stuff. And I mean, because like, yeah, that, like, I mean, like I said, it's it's the it's the fact that. This is not a horror that you feel okay about afterwards. Yeah, like there's hor- I like I love horror movies in general, and I watch yeah. lots of dumb horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Like I love Nightmare on Elm Street movies and Friday the Thirteenth movies, and you watch those, and then you turn them off, and you go, "Cool." Yeah, <laughs> I'm not concerned about people chopping me up with a machete. Like yeah. that's a doofy movie. Yeah. Like everything's fine. This isn't. This one is like. The horror is in you afterwards. Yeah, existential like, dread is such a good. It, it really is term a good term for it because it is. I finished reading this, and uh, it, it, it was like twelve thirty at night. And because I like mood music, I was reading it on my iPad in the dark, oh, listening to gracious. Nine Inch Nails. What oh the fuck? And I <laughs> nope, don't do that. I have Dude, been I need to make disturbed you a playlist. for a while. I'm gonna make you a playlist. It's all gonna be Apple wow. stereo. Brett, you need to. <laughs> Brett, you need to make a playlist it's and you need peanuts, to Vince, put it on Vince the show notes. music. That's, <laughs> listen to Nine Inch Nails while reading this. That yeah. is... Crazy. Yeah, yeah, I understood my folly as uh, as I got into it, and it was it's still it's still unsettling to me. Like I'm still all day leading up to the podcast. This was in the back of my mind. It, it haunts you. Yeah, it's haunting. It really it it really is. It's oh. it's scary in a way that that horror can be like really unsettling. You guys don't have the, the trade, so you have not read this. On the back of the trade, a quote from Brian K. Vaughn. Oh. Uh, Neonomicon is probably the darkest story Alan Moore has ever written, and definitely the best artwork of Jason Burroughs' already stellar career. I don't know if it's morally acceptable to love something so horrific, but I just cannot stop thinking about this book. Yeah. It's all, it's like, not praise, but not damning. <laughs> it's very it's much not, like... It is we, praise! It, no, well, but... <laughs> I don't know if it's morally acceptable yeah. to love something her, this horrific. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, because I mean, again, too, Alan Moore didn't write this and was like, hey, check out my love letter to humanity. (laughs) No, he wrote it at his angriest. Yeah, yeah. He wrote this going, yeah, I've been screwed over by this terrible company that's been screwing me for my entire stupid career. Yeah. Yeah. I need money. The world sucks. What if everything fucking died? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this book. I also, I also did a lot of reading because Alan Moore also gave that pretty incendiary interview back in January yep. uh, surrounding all the Mark Millar stuff. Mark Miller stuff. Um, about, about... And basically, I've, I've read a lot of reaction pieces to it. And some of them, even the ones that agree with him are like, yeah, he's right, but also he's just a dick. Like he just comes across as very like condescending. This, you know. No, you're totally. Like, Alan Moore. What was this? Refresh my memory. I don't. Wait, which one was it? Like, there I, there's was, so many, yeah. I can't remember which one. <laughs> yeah, was well, it's like the sixteen thousand word interview that he did with Pad Padrigo Malloy. Yeah. But oh, yeah, yeah. Very but, Irish. but which 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 controversy was this? Because again, every time he gets this an interview nowadays, when, there's a controversy. I, the, I think this was at. The Were they time... talking about the rape play he did? 
Oh, what? You did okay. a rape play? Never mind. <laughs> when did Kick-Ass 2... Ca- I, I thought it was in connection with Mark Miller's quote that he gave in... Uh, was it Complex... That mag- Complex Magazine. Complex Magazine uh, in his... Well, no, that might have been... I think that was not Mark Miller who said bad things about him. It was Grant Morrison. Grant, yeah. Oh, it was maybe his response. Grant Morrison said bad things about him in Rolling Stone, which wasn't even bad. It was just saying, like, good lord, he writes a lot of rape. Yeah. Because the quote is basically like that. It's like, I love Alan Moore. I've read all his work, and it wasn't until recently that I realized, man, he writes about rape a lot. And then Alan Moore went on that a, in Grant Morrison's Yeah, voice. and then Alan Moore went on a 16,000-word defense, like, hard uh, defensive, like... Which again is but that's what Alan Moore. Yeah, I mean that's so. <laughs> Listen, I don't agree with everything he says. Of there course, like he says some crazy <laughs> yeah. things sometimes, but I also feel like people know that he says crazy things, and they go in going, "Let's ask." Him yeah, some exactly. Shit. Yeah, that's yeah. why I get. That's why I get super <laughs> mad when people ask ninety-year-old Stan Lee about Steve Ditko, which is like, yeah, yeah. he's ninety. Yeah. he doesn't remember anything. Yeah, what you fuck, Steve Ditko? Yeah. I recall <laughs> writing some things at a certain point. Yeah. Or even, like, when they ask Stan Lee questions about, like, women in comic book movies, like, why? Why? He's yeah. 90, he, like, you, you, you know the answer you're going to get, and you're just going to create, like, right. clickbait. If you ask Alan Moore about modern comics or mo- other yeah. modern creators, especially ones that have publicly had a beef with him, like Grant Morrison has, yeah. mm-hmm. he's going to say some stuff that is going to be mean, and, like, do I believe that everything in the industry was stolen from him, from his ideas? No, obviously not. Do I think everything is garbage since he left? No, of course not. No, no. He's still a really good writer, everything he does is still good, and we shouldn't, ju- I don't think we should judge him based on his stupid interview quotes where he gets pissed off at people. Yeah. yeah. He has been screwed over a lot, in my opinion. I, just... I don't know all the details of it, but the way it looks from the outside to me, and I mean, from the outside... Oh, no, but yeah, he well, definitely... It looks like he was screwed over. Yeah, I mean, what they did, like, Watchmen is a huge you know what my fear always is with these guys is I don't I'm always worried that they're gonna pass into Gallagher territory like Frank Miller like well he seems it's hard to say where where, yeah Gallagher Gallagher is now this old bitter man who claims that he invented comedy basically (laughs) that everything is biting off of him and he's just angry all the time and I don't I wouldn't wish that on on anyone you know, especially people that have that have made great works of art that I care about. Yeah. You know? Well, those things you've said literally sound like what Alan Moore says. Yeah. Like, he literally is a, a, a you know, a bitter, relatively older man. Sure, sure. He yeah. believes that lots of... That every, I mean, I remember him saying that everything DC does is just stealing ideas from him. They do reference his work a lot because he wrote some amazing stories for, yeah. Him, yeah. for them. Um, but, I mean... I've always, I mean, Alan Moore is a figure, even even when I see, like, interviews with him from the 80s, I'm like, even at that point, I'm like, he's not a, he's not a human. Like, I mean, he's not, like, we're all, He's a like, weird dude. Yeah, it's like, yeah. we're all people that, like, live in apartments and eat fast food and, like, watch, like, sitcoms and whatnot, and Alan Moore has always seemed like the cool human in the back of the classroom that's, like, making fun of everyone else because he, he gets it. And I'm not saying that as, like, a damnation of him or anything. But it's just like he's an arty art dude. Yeah, like he's yeah. like he's like next level. It's so it's to the point where I was reading this thinking like this dialogue seems fairly natural and believable. And I was like, I cannot picture Alan Moore ever like going to the grocery store <laughs> or ever like having yeah. having a conversation where he wasn't like getting mad about something. Could you imagine like, just Al- going to the mall and seeing Alan Moore sitting by the fountain and just listening to conversations? <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'll take it. That's, that's why, like, when I read Alan Moore, it's always through the filter of, like, yeah, Alan Moore, like, he himself is, like, this 
character. Rings yeah. on every mm-hmm. fingers, living in a cottage, you know? I mean, and that, I mean, and that's the case with, you know, there's a number of really oh. good writers who are, you know, nutty dudes or, yeah. or strange. <laughs> oh, yeah. We just mentioned Grant Morrison. He seems pretty crazy from what he I'm He seems yeah. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, the, the things that he claims have happened to him that are, like, supernatural experiences than himself are pretty yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, man, everyone's got their something. That's right? true. <laughs> that's true. I mean... Uh, yeah, I don't know. No. <laughs> I, again, I, again, I I love his writing. I, I think he still to this day is a really great writer. He put oh. out. I just read a couple weeks ago the new League of Extraordinary League of Extraordinary Gentlemen book, uh, Nemo Roses of Berlin. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah, like the fact that this is honestly like this is phenomenal for a writer. What thirty years into his career? Yeah, like, or more. Let me think. When when did he start? In the late seventies, yeah, late seventies, yeah. So that's like yeah, thirty four like, years it, into it. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Swamp Thing is probably my favorite thing of his. For me, it's definitely Watchmen. I love, I love yeah. Swamp Thing. But it's a tough call. There's, he's written again. I've read, I've read most of the stuff he's written. Yeah, not all of it, but an awful lot of it. Um, Promethea is crazy but so amazingly elaborate and I've awesome. never dived into that. It, it like it, it's I don't know if it's easy to get anymore because I don't know how well they keep it in print, but I was reading the issues as they came out. It is just it's like again, I don't believe in magic at all. I'm like one of the like <laughs> least believing in magic people you'll ever meet. Can um, we go on fortune tellers? I hate fortune tellers. <laughs> I hate all psychics. I I think they're all fakers. But uh <laughs> Alan Moore's Promethea is basically as if... Oh, my God. It's so hard to explain. Wait, did you ever read uh, From Hell? Yeah. I started it. I haven't finished it. It's also pretty dark. Yeah. Um, I if was you reading read, it while I was waiting to get a sinus surgery. If you re- Fun. <laughs> <laughs> if you read the annotations of From Hell, it's nuts. Because you see, what it seems like he did was read everything ever written about Jack the Ripper and gone... Let's make that all fit into a giant puzzle that justifies a story. And then that, that, that creates a story. So then you'll be reading it going, uh, somebody goes like, hey, uh, do they have any tangerines at the store? And then he'll be like, uh, you know, in, in this volume, uh, they quote uh, a, a, a passerby who said they heard someone talking about tangerines. And that's oh, why I put... Wow. Like, it's like crazy how elaborate yeah. it is. I love that. And so then Promethea, it's like he did that with magic. Like, he was like, I'm going to read everything about magic ever and weave it into a giant thing that connects everything into one giant Whoa. thing. And it's like, that's, what? That's <laughs> And it somehow worked. I thought it worked really well. Yeah. But it's nuts. Um, and then again, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, similar, like that he's trying to make all of literature into a giant story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Top 10, if you've ever, if you've never oh, read Top 10. Oh, Top 10 was phenomenal. So good. Yeah. Top 10 is Alan Moore trying to do an amazing cop show. Um, but everyone in the city, including the cops and the citizens, are all superheroes. Yeah. It's so good. It's really... And it's funny, too. Yeah. It's funny, which is... That was the thing that really caught me when I read that book, was that I was laughing at it. and Because, mm-hmm. uh, again, you don't... I don't know. I don't... He's done some really great humor books, No, too. yeah. And it's, so, it's just so, like... When I think of, like, Alan Moore, the angry persona, and then you get to his books, like, a lot... Like, it doesn't... Actually, a lot of it doesn't jive 
up, I think. And, and which is a compliment. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the fact that I read a lot of his comic books and they don't seem like someone is smarter than oh, me I yelling see. at me. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> I don't know. When I read his interviews, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I made you mad. Well, Please. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please. I was going to say the earliest thing I've ever read of his was actually a comic strip he used to write. Like, he used to write a joke strip. Oh, called, wow. Uh, what was it called? Something the Magic Cat. The magic cat. I can't remember the name of the cat now. But he wrote and drew it, and it was like oh, a wow. traditional like newspaper co- joke strip. Oh man! It well, there. Nuts. Well, there you go. That's. Uh, I mean, he can clearly do gross stuff and humor. I mean, why not? G- let's get Let's get Alan Moore to do an arc on Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Okay. He has no interest. I would love that. He Have you approached? No, I've never approached. That. But I'm fairly confident. But hey, yeah, yeah. honestly, for a story to tell, maybe you should <laughs> just to, just, just to like, talk about how. Hey, want to write Deadpool? He's going to be like, "What is a Deadpool?" Well, that was exactly. the last time anyone saw Jordan because then a, a plume a, of smoke appeared. That is a great story to tell for the rest of your life. I have never <laughs> met him. I do know people who have met him, and they seem to like again. They're not people who went up to him and were like, "Hey, what's the deal with being a dick?" Like there are people who. <laughs> That's a dumb way to introduce yourself. Yeah, it's a bad way. <laughs> they were people who approached him, like, who were interested in talking to him and being fans and stuff. And they've all, everybody who's approached him in that way says he's really cool and he's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a band I really like called The Indelicates um, did a cover. Well, it's not really a cover because I guess they wrote the music. They did a recording of a song that he wrote lyrics to mm. in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He has, like, a punk band playing this song. Uh, and they, he wrote lyrics to it. And they were like, can we record that song and they did and it's awesome it's a, it's a really vulgar ridiculous <laughs> uh, song but it's awesome oh uh, that's great it, I can't remember what it's called now. it's so good um, I'm sorry that I can't remember but it's the song that they sing at the end of the second book of Century yeah. in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen oh man Oof. the wild wild world yeah. Of Alan Moore. What a journey this took us on. <laughs> so, are you guys okay with me having picked this? <laughs> yes, of course. Because, <laughs> again, I felt bad because then you guys were like, I don't know if we've ever done anything that dark and scary. And it's like, oh, yeah, you probably mostly talk about, like, you know, fun comics, which I also yeah, love. I mean, we try. I also love, and I do think yeah. this is fun in a sense. I think in we, a sense. We try, to, we try to hit the, we try to run the gamut. I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, Love and Rockets was no walk in the park. No. It wasn't, it wasn't this. But it wasn't. It wasn't Archie Ninja Turtles. Like I mean, there's a you know, there's a there's a span. A yeah, and again too, it, it's it's an, it, it's a medium. It's not just a genre. Yes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So know? do you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I mean, it's. Are you glad you read it or no? Well, not I really. mean, I'm glad I read it. I will say that. I okay. will say that, and I'm going to give it. Uh, you know what? You know what's stopping me from? <laughs> no, here's the thing, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be please, honest. Please, what's stopping me from giving it a thumbs up? I think is my own concern about being a male, saying that I enjoyed a story where the the main plot device was a woman being brutally raped, and and as a man, I like I'm uh, I I have. Uh, I clearly I'm stammering right now. <laughs> See again, I just I I, I, I mean I, I think it's good to. Be I don't cautious. think that being in favor of this is in favor of it no. being replicated in life. It's right. in favor of like good like. It, but it's a story well told. I'll say that. Yeah. And and I again I like uh, I'm glad I read it. I would give it a thumbs up. Okay. I would give it a thumbs up. I. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed reading it, but I'll also say that I didn't not like reading it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. 
loop de loop yeah. kind of way, but yes. Yeah, just like the book. It's a loop. Yeah. I mean, like I do. I think that it is a gorgeously illustrated book. I think that it's very smart. I think Jason Burroughs did a great job because it was very easily could have gone into schlocky, gratuitous. Yeah. Like yeah. Of any book, this would have been the one that like uh, a Greg Land would have had a ridiculous. Horrible field day on. Well, that's yeah, and super <laughs> props. Like, we didn't even mention it enough, but Jason Burroughs' art in here really does give it the weight and gravitas yeah. that it needs. Because again, that that sort of directness of the art, the clean style, the the you know linear lines and all the shot compositions make it give it a realness. I think that that lent, that allows the supernatural and and creepier horror elements to really seep into you as you're as you're experiencing this book. Yeah. So I can I can say that a thing is well done without saying that it's like a but thumbs you don't, up from me. But you don't like it. You don't give it a thumbs up. Well yeah I'm I just mean, I'm just asking. <laughs> you can say you didn't like it. But it's it's not it's, <laughs> it's not it's so non <laughs> Because like I am glad to have read it because okay. I appreciate re- I appreciate the medium sure. and in terms of like being able to hold intelligent discussions about like representation and like feminism and like social issues and even in terms of like what the medium can accomplish uh, et-, et cetera mm-hmm. like this is a thing that you know is good to read especially in terms of like Alan Moore being one of the biggest juggernauts of the industry and you should be well versed in the things he's written. Uh, so this is another thing by him I've written. A- another thing by him I've read. So that is why I'm not like, why did you do this to me? <laughs> uh, okay. right. Yeah. I mean, okay. So it's, it's, yeah. And the, the thing that... It's a complex book. I think that that speaks to how complex the book is. Yes. And how much thought and, like, uh, deliberate uh, everything was. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. like Kick-Ass 2, which is like, right. I would find never reading that because... That no one gave a shit in that book about that book, as far as I was concerned. I mean, the big. I mean, I don't know. Do I even need to say that? I don't. I mean, like the big thing about conversations about rape in stories is that the real awful, the the real problem is awful people in real life. It has nothing to do with story, like stories in my. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the problem is that there are terrible people who think terrible things about it, and. Yeah, I think for the most part, those aren't the people writing the stories, and they're not. I mean, m- maybe in some cases, again, like we said, there's an immature writing of it, and there's a mature writing. Yeah, of it. yeah. Um, the problem just... is people doing terrible things. But again, like I, I on some level, I and I do understand that it's very different from murder. Oh, it's hunt. Yeah, but murder is terrible. Murder is awful. Like I don't. Ever you don't want have to, to be live murdered with it after your murder. Well, no, you just. But you. That's. I mean, in a way, that's worse. You don't live at all. I'm, There's I'm, no I, existence. Uh, I don't see. That. I, that's where I like get again because like none of us will know. None of us will ever right, know. Right, which right, the other thing right. is like none of us will ever know what it is. Oh, geez, heavy, heavy, heavy. <laughs> what it is like to live in a culture where women can't even speak up because no, the you know rapists get off all the time or you know she was asking for it etc etc but those are yeah but yeah. I think those are the problems that need to be that, those fixed. are kind of, yeah. Not, yeah and I would not like stories, to, I would like but no I would like to read stories where those problems are actually addressed head on and instead we only those get story, oh, but the, I mean, that's not true there are stories where? about that well, oh, Alan, come on Alan, Somebody's, Moore's, Alan no, Moore's not writing them Alan Moore's not writing them yeah you're, you're, well for 
For a guy that makes sure rape is in almost everything he writes, he doesn't write those stories. Makes sure. He's like, like you were like, I got a checklist. checklist. Yeah. Yeah. checklist. Got the rape. No, I don't think, if that's, no oh. that's not how he does it. No, it's not how he does it. But does, it is he weird. Writes he writes about complicated stuff. And he comes back to that one thing a lot. But again, it's a pretty common thing. And that's horrible. And yeah. that's the worst part. Well, that's that, and I think but that's I the did, point that Jordan's making. Yes, yeah, if the, you have a if you have yeah. a, a story yeah. where this is a horrifying <laughs> statistic, but if you have a story where ten people are murdered, there are so many more rapes that have happened. Yeah, yeah. Compared to that, that should be, I mean. So why aren't they all? I mean, I don't know, why aren't they all in your story? I want I want equal representation. <laughs> no, no. no, I don't. But think, like I we think, we you know we do I TV the, shows where. Every week, the plot of the TV show is someone else was murdered. Well, and Law and Order Special Victims Unit. There's one, and then there's one Ugh. show where. Well, but I, I don't. I don't know rape. if it's like equal representation. I think it's like diverse representation because again, like sure. all the no, times right. I've seen rape in a comic book, it's just like a woman was raped to further a man's storyline, or a woman was or raped to show how hard, how tough, or she is. a woman was raped to show yeah how tough she is. Yeah. Um, which you know, Frank no. Miller and Alan Moore are not writing the stories where they're dealing with like the real thoughts of what a rape survivor is going through, and I'll, or even like just the struggle, of, like that Amy Schumer sketch. But on uh, some level, was amazing because it was actually like a video game about the military, and Amy Schumer was like playing as the female officer, and then her entire gameplay was showing how hard it is for female military officers to actually get male military officers like held accountable for the rape scene. Sure. Which is like, oh, good, there's a sketch. I haven't seen a yeah. sketch like that before. Well, don't you see know, that in comics either. On the other side of it too, um, you know, Robert Kirkman just released an issue of Invincible I last month. I heard about that, and I don't know what was um, up with it. Uh, that crazy. was it. it, it, it uh, right. he is, he is uh, raped by a, a, a Viltrumite woman who, you know, overpowers him and forces him to have sex with her. And it is, again, it is not glamorous. It's really intense. And I have problems uh, with Robert Kirkman. And it's, a, it's, oh, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but in the way that it's supposed to be. Yeah. And since that's the main character, which is a man, it's like yeah. when it happens to a man where, uh, Oh man! Oh, there's so many fucking layers <laughs> because there are more uh, ongoing series of star men. When a man gets raped, we're actually going to get to see the ramifications of it play out. Right. Whereas female characters that are raped, it's well, like and, supporting, and, so we're never actually going to see those. On story. some level, too, though, <sighs> we don't. I mean, because we are <laughs> talking about. I mean, so let's say Alan Moore was to write that story. I don't know if he's necessarily the best person to write that story. Yeah. So then, yeah. so then, I don't think he gets the right to keep going to the well over and over again. That's that's a thing. I don't know because when I mean, people harp on writers for having their crutches, like Ugh, Chris Claremont does too many mind control stories, or like Robert Kirkman has too much like expositional dialogue that doesn't read normally. It's like uh-huh. no, I don't ever really like you know Alan Moore also like and you go to rape all the time. Like it's like, like I don't but know. But it's not. But I don't. But I, mean, I think they're on different <laughs> levels. Like all those people you're saying. I mean, part of it's because again, I think Alan Moore is so great. Um, but I also feel like part of his greatness is the, that he he does stories seriously, and it's not like he does just kind of go, "Oh man, I just got hired to, to write Robin." Guess he's getting raised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he does stories he really wants what to tell. What does the R stand for on his chest? <laughs> oh, that was awful. I'm so sorry. It is so weird that it is every story. It's probably not actually every story. Uh, Jack, be quick. From uh, from but tomorrow stories never gets raped. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. I don't think there's any in top ten, right? Uh, I don't remember any in top ten. Although again, it is kind of a, a police procedural, it is, yeah. so yeah. it's totally possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think Tom Strong gets raped by Nazi women. Really? I'm pretty. I, just, sure. I never read Tom Strong. Uh, and then they have his Nazi baby. 
Um, but it's just such an... I don't know, maybe it's because like, I can't get to the mindset of, like... Because as a writer myself, I'm like, I've never gotten to the mindset of, like... I need to write about this again. Yeah. <laughs> or period. I don't know. It's just, well, I'm not Alan Moore. I don't know what's going true. on in this right, 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 right. Well, yeah, you know, know, it's 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 an interesting and obviously it's an ongoing concern, I think, in our own culture and as you know, as this stuff sort of becomes global and as we as a world begin to sort of expand into other countries and cultures and we're all sort of becoming enmeshed with one another, it's it's a direct issue that keeps coming up again and again and again in uh, across the world. And there's no easy answers no. for this. There's no like, there's no, well, this is the way it should be, or this is the way it could be done. This is, it's, it's something really intense. And I, I think that anytime you have a subject matter, this intense that comes up, it's going to spark uh, it's well. I mean, obviously, it's going to spark debate, but it's also going to I- ignite, you know, emotions and feels in people oh, yeah. that that are uh, that are hard to face and deal with. I think in yeah. even even with this coming coming away from it, there's still there's still I think a lot of uh, unresolved feelings. But I think also that that is sort of the intent of the story. Yeah, very as much well, so. very yeah. much so. I mean, Alan I mean, doesn't play around. I mean, and that's the thing. And the same thing in, I mean, you know, you mentioned Watchmen as well. And yes, it's a very complicated thing that Silk Spectres sort of ended up kind of in love with him. But I don't, again, I don't think you're supposed to, I don't think the moral there is women will fall in love with their rapists, yeah. everything will be fine. Like, it's, it, you're, you're, you look at her and you go like, what happened? Like, what? She has her own emotional damage from other things in her life too. And yeah. it's all... Just very complicated characters. It's a singularity and not an example of the whole. But then, but then when I just think it's, of all the fiction I've ever in, taken in, I can't think of... I don't know, I can think of way too many stories where women fall in love with their rapists, and I can think of almost none where we actually get to see the realistic treatment of, like, the... Like, I can't well, think of I mean, Because on some level, it's I want to a... know what's that story. Like, you know, I mean, if you look at the kind of stories that people... <laughs> want to watch well why do we want to watch rape stories like that's that's a worse question because we, I mean, okay well we can talk about neonomicon why do we want to read this story i mean well you don't necessarily <laughs> but, uh, well, why does someone want to read the story i mean even though it has terrible things like rape in it because we want to i mean we want to read stories about overcoming things we want to read stories about going through terrible things so we don't have to go through them we want to read stories about um, the extremes. Now, I'm sure someone. I'm, I'm first. I mean, that's the thing. I'm sure there are stories out there about yeah, yeah, realistic depictions of what happens to people after they've been raped. They're not summer blockbusters. You know what I mean? They're not as, as far as I'm aware. They're not. You know, it's going to be driving people to the multiplex because they're complicated and they're 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 make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but, but I course, don't think that means we can. We can the ban side, it's, it's, I think it, it makes me more uncomfortable the fact that the stories where women get raped and their stories are incidental. The fact that those are popular. Well, yeah, but I mean that's, that's worse. But that's that? a that's a sort again, of side note to like what we're talking about today, though. Too. I mean, that's this wasn't an incidental this, yeah, this, incident within and also, the this story. Wasn't a, this wasn't a hit. 
Like, no, this it, was not a big hit. I mean, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it did well for, for yeah. Avatar. But it's um, not like it's made into a movie it's like not a his, lot of his other books. It's not his most famous book by a yeah, long yeah. shot. I don't even know if it's in print right now. It may or may not be. I know you can get yeah. the four issues on yeah. Comixology, but I don't know if you can get the trade. But but yeah, like like I think I think Brett, what you're what you're addressing too is is something that's more of a, a farther reaching cultural issue than oh, what totally. than, sure. than what yeah, we have. Totally is here. And it shouldn't. It's not. It's not. It's not Alan Moore's responsibility to to, to yeah. depict. Uh, but then again, but see, but that, I don't know. Some maybe people it is. feel like it is. I, 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 I mean, I wrote. Yeah, that's. Uh, see, that's the thing. It is. <laughs> in, okay, in like in the real world, yeah, like real we, world, flat out, it's not complicated. Like women never ask for it. Rape is bad. Oh, absolutely. Rapists. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Of like course. in the real world, not complicated. Very black and white. The, the shitty thing is, is that it is very gray because of rape culture. Fiction is like where this is, is a, a little bit of a weirder thing because on one hand, like it's not Alan Moore's job to do anything, like to write good stories, bad stories, stories that are representative of anything. Like he, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. No one has to listen to him. No one has to read his stuff. No one has to take his stuff literally. But it's like on the other hand, he's Alan Moore, and he's like if he wrote a story that was about a female protagonist that realistically, like, dealt with this and, like, did, like, 12 issues. Like, he's like, I'm Alan Moore. Everyone everyone would read it. Everyone would talk about it. It would get a really good discussion going. Same thing with Mark Miller. Like, if he had put in a condemnation of, like, tossing the word fag around (laughs) with such cavalierness, whereas Kick-Ass 2, they do not paint that as a bad thing. Like, I don't know, it's... There's, there's the other half of it where I also think that like once you reach that level of profile, you can use that profile for some real cultural good. Sure. You know, you don't have to. And that's, that's where it's gray. Oh, this is where I turn to the parody of myself. This is where it's interesting. It's like it's not Alan Moore's responsibility, but man, it'd be really awesome if he did take the responsibility. But he doesn't have to. But what? he could do some good. But he, who's saying he's doing bad now? Like I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think he's. I, I mean, I definitely don't think that his works are a force of badness. Well, I understand this is true. And we are all. <laughs> oh boy, I've I mean, never I, been. I've never been up north to this area, so I don't know. Because that, because I mean, because that's the thing. If 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 you mentioned like people having triggers, of course, if you have an emotional uh, uh, response to a, a specific thing. Yes, nobody's saying read. You have to read Neonomicon, please. If it makes oh, you uncomfortable, yeah. don't read it. If yeah, yeah. etc. And same for all of Alan Moore's work. I don't feel like his work contributes to contributes negatively to the culture in that respect. Yeah, maybe some people would disagree, but I I don't think it does. I think it deals with it in a, in a realistic enough way that that it works. Um, but I mean, again, I I, I think. It's just that this issue is such a big and sensitive issue. Oh, yeah. Lots of bad things happen to lots of people, and most of the rest of them, if you make light of them in a story, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's an an example. Oh, this is a spoiler for a movie that's not connected. Did you guys ever see Burn After Reading? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, spoilers if you didn't see it. (laughs) My wife and I didn't love it. It has moments, but we weren't prepared... For, for the turn it yeah, takes yeah. when, spoiler, yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt gets murdered. 
Yeah. It got, we weren't, I mean, again, I'm obviously I'm into dark stories, so I don't mind that in general, but we just weren't ready for it. It was not where we were willing to go on that story. And so that, like, kind of killed that movie for us. We were too unhappy that all of a sudden someone was murdered and... A great character, too. A great character. <laughs> and, and, it's a great and, performance. And the movie takes it very lightly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the character's dead. Like, there's repercussions of deadness. Yeah. Like, but, <laughs> but it was very, very womp, lightly. womp. Yeah, it, it was like a gag. Colin Brothers. And we were like, whoa. Yeah, Colin Brothers. Yeah, they the they're great. Uh, generally speaking, there's other movies of theirs that make this same sort of twist work for us. Yeah, yeah. But we just weren't ready for it, and it didn't work. I mean, and again, I feel like that's an example of like a real serious thing. Yeah. Murder, which sometimes yes, there are other shows where somebody dying is a punchline and everybody laughs and it's fine. But for some reason, for that, for us, it didn't work there. Yeah. Um, but for, but again, for that example, there's a zillion movies where, and that happens. There's going to be movies where people you know lose a loved one or or, or anything, any horrible thing that you could have happen to you. If it happened to you in real life, it's awful and terrible. Oh, yeah. And then there's going to be a movie where it's funny. Yeah. yeah, guys, there's there's no clear cut answers. <laughs> oh, we were. I thought we were solving this tonight. Oh wait. Oh shit. Yeah. I mean, oh, we've man. been talking like we're on the course. <laughs> yeah, we're on the way. I All feel like we're out. like five more minutes. Guys. Well, oh, th- <laughs> well, what it is is what it is is that everything is bleak and that we all deserve to die. Right. <laughs> which is yeah. fitting for for the for the tale that we've read. Right. That's, that's um, true. Guys, we got into some real heavy talk. I hope it's uh, okay. I think no. I think it was good. Good. I think it was good. Um, listeners, of course, please let us know what you think about it. We, we, this, I think this is, I think when we did Kick-Ass, we were very, uh, we were very heavy at the end of it, but this is, I think, maybe the most intense, uh, conversation we've ever had. And, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, I think I tried to be a little bit more reasonable, not, not, uh, less inflammatory this time around. Okay. Well, yeah, you certainly Maybe. didn't. You did not say anything that offended. I, yeah. I just remember, I just remember like screaming during Kickass. <laughs> you sounded like you <laughs> really disliked that book. Yeah, I hated that book. Um, but this was this was uh, again. I will say, I I am glad that I read this. I would give this a thumbs up. And if I had friends that were into serious horror, that were into Lovecraft, and were well versed in it, I would certainly recommend this to them. Yeah. Okay. I, I, and I, again, I would say if you. If you know someone who really liked the darkness and of uh, again of True Detective, then uh, yeah, this would be a good book for them. I know you guys said you didn't watch it, but it's also very good. It's on the list, but it's dark. Yeah, you might not like it. Jeez, oh, I don't think you'd like it. I will say. Um, uh, Jordan, thanks again so much for coming on the show. No problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I should say my Twitter name. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's yeah. do. Let's. It's plug Twitter. time. It's oh, time. It it's plug- time to get fun and it's time to do some plugs. So Yay! please let us know what's going on in your world, where we can find you. Now and that everyone hates out. me and will never want to read. No, <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, my Twitter is a uh, at. Okay, I'm a loser, so my Twitter is not my name. My Twitter is at Crackshot with a zero for an O. So C-R-A-C-K-S-H-0-T. Quick origin. That's the superhero I was when I was a kid, except I didn't have a zero. I, they just was already taken. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am going to be on there talking about stupid stuff. Please feel free to let me know what you thought of my opinions on this, although I really hope I didn't offend anybody. I obviously, I completely condemn rape culture and, all, uh, and things like that. I just am in favor of stories about anything that people have to, a story about. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure that's out there. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it is a real sensitive topic. And also, uh, dig back a little bit and check out some of uh, Jordan's uh, great uh, uke music. Oh yeah, I'm up on I'm up on YouTube. Uh, if you search for Jordan D White, you'll get you'll get me. I think my channel is called Cast and Wax. Uh, I do lots of ukulele covers because I love playing the ukulele and it's a lot of fun. Um, in addition, I have a website that is wax-work.com. That's wax-work. Um, oh, and a really stupid thing about that: if you do like Lovecraft. Um, I have a podcast on there, and if you go to the section uh, for radio shows and you go to the show, Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. That is a segment of the podcast that I used to do where I have them all separated out there so you can just listen to those, where the, the concept is that my cat, Scape, yeah. would tell the would would I would tell him, read him scary stories, and then he would then tell them to someone else. And he's a cat, so he's real dumb. And we did a, a few Lovecraft stories in there. We did uh, the first one we ever did was one called From Beyond. We did a six-part series doing the entirety of the Herbert West reanimator thing at, at one point. Um, he's really funny and really stupid, and he tells the stories great. So I highly recommend that. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, please go check that stuff out. Um, you can check us out at mattandbrettlovecomics.com. And while you're there, you can dig into our back issues. For example... Uh, uh, you can check out our Kick-Ass 2 uh, episode. I mean, why not? Guys, yeah, yeah. we talked about it a We bunch. talked about it a few times. You can also check out the episode where we read Severed. Yeah. You can find links to all of our uh, social media presence on the Who Loves Comics tab at mattandbrellofcomics.com. You can also tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theylovecomics. Uh, if you if you get the iTunes and you have a second, we would love a review. Uh, rate us, review us, let people know what you think about the show. You are our best mouthpiece and spokesperson. So uh, if, if you could take that time, we would greatly appreciate it. Hell, maybe even, uh, you know... Walk through a mall and whisper in uh, small children's no. ears as they walk by. But not about this episode. No, or, um, you know, uh, maybe maybe write it on the palm of your hand <clears throat> and then just, like, hold it up to a playground full of kids and nod at them. Or, Jeez. Okay. You know, We're good. <laughs> uh, maybe write it on a napkin and slide it under the changing oh. room uh, at a gap. Um, thank you so much, <laughs> Producer wow. Ben, for keeping everything uh, afloat. Uh, you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were trying to think of a comparison nope. for this episode. Nope. None. You're awesome. No. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much, Jordan, for being on the show again. It was, again, a pleasure. <laughs> Anytime you want me back, I'm happy to come back. Yeah. Hell yes. Uh, until next time, this is Matt. And this is Brett. And we love comics. Yeah. Every single one. Every single one. That's true. Take the good, take the bad. Take them both, and there you have them. Well, now it's going to be.